Today with me, David Stark. David is an influential artist who is known for the brilliant events and powerful experiences that he creates for philanthropic organizations, for museums, but also in private weddings and events. In an age when experiences are valued so much more than consumption, his creative imagination brings new ways of engagements with products, with people, and with ideas. David has changed the face of event design, creating a new and sustainable way of celebration in the 21st century. And his events very much reflect the spirit of our time. Remember when flowers used to be the most important elements in every event and when the quality of the flowers and the price of the flowers came to define the level of the events? Remember when the best events in town looked like they came out of Versailles? Well, those events have passed from the world and David can be credited for formulating the alternative formula, a true art installation. In the past year, he has shifted his engagement to virtual and hybrid events. It's a new phenomenon devised for the social media forced on us all by the pandemic. As a creative director, David produces contents and online experiences in a totally, and I have to say, amazing new ways. They are not those Zoom events that everyone knows, which are filmed through the mediocre capacity of the iPhone or web cameras but sophisticated, professionally produced, striking, bespoke productions where narrative, dance, music, and fantasy are all allowing the audience at home to enjoy cutting-edge, totally surprising events. Hi, David. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I see you are in your living room. It is true. I have a lot of light in the living room, so it's always a good place to hang out in. You made your career in creating a very new type of events that were just like art installations. And I've attended some of them, and they made people feel inspired, like stunned. I remember walking into the Robin Hood Foundation event, and I remember people felt like they entered sort of extraordinary place, like sort of like a bubble of this powerful experience. And now we are here a year later, more than a year later. So what and how did pandemic change what you do? Well, first of all, thank you for the very kind words. I feel very blessed to have the opportunity to create these special experiences and you're right. I mean, it, when I went to college and studied to be a painter, I had no idea that what I do now was even an option. I had no idea that it was a career. So it was a little bit of an invention. It was a creative, you know, an expression that I, I didn't really realize that exists. But every day, and especially because of the pandemic, I thank my lucky stars every day that I found that opportunity to bring people together. You know, when we're apart, you realize how much value there is in creating 
worlds and opportunities that, that bring people together to share an experience. So, you know, it's, it's been a hard year, I'm not going to lie, but we very quickly found a way. And I think that that has to do with the fact that um, our approach for the clients that we work with has not been to decorate. It's been to find creative solutions for how to tell their story. And for many, many, many years, that was very much about how do you bring people together in a room and how do you create a unique experience for them to share within a room? But if you have to think about it differently in this year where you can't be in a room, what are new creative approaches to being together? And when you say it was a hard year, when did you realize it? What point did you realize that you can do it differently? Uh, I think it took about three months into the lockdown. And, you know, the first three months of the lockdown were very much about like wiping the slate clean of everything that we were working on. You know, canceling the events, you know, is a tremendous amount of work. A lot of phone calls, a lot of negotiations, a lot of discussions, and none of us knew where we were heading. And we all thought that, you know, it was going to be a couple of months and we'd be back to normal. We had no idea that it was going to be a year. But then three months into it, we started to realize, okay, we're going to be in this spot for a little bit of time and we better learn how to feel comfortable in this spot and find creative approaches to existing and to getting on with the world, even though it's not exactly what we would wish it would be. First, we spent a lot of time talking to all of our clients and being there for them, you know, being part of a community, not thinking about it so much as them being our clients, but that we were partners and that we were all in the same foxhole together, if you will. And so being supportive to them, they being supportive to us, talking about their challenges, their concerns, their needs. What does that look like? How can we be of support to them? And then how can we all together think out of the box to forge a new way forward? Everyone was frightened. Absolutely. Yeah. Still are. <laughs> you know, David, when I first, when I arrived to New York, it was the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first came to New York, when you entered a fundraising event or a museum or, you know, a museum event or weddings, it was all about the decor. It was mm-hmm. all about the way the room was decorated, the way the tables were decorated, stage was decorated. And I remember that the more palatial it looked, the more fancy, the more glitzy, the better. Mm-hmm. You remember that time? I do. I mean, I, but I think the key word that you said was decorating. There was a juncture that I had as a professional, and it actually came from a dear client at the Robin Hood Foundation. We were putting together a presentation of what this year's benefit could look like. And we came up with all kinds of themes, you know, themes that were elaborate and interesting and beautiful and had absolutely nothing to do with the organization. And our clients said to us, you know, these are all super cool, but what if there was a way to bring into three dimensions what the organization is all about? You're talking about the virtual right now. No, I'm actually talking about years ago, early 90s, when things started to shift between palatial design for events and creating an experience that, you know, was an extension of who the organization was. And the work that I do with cultural institutions, even today, is an important one. You know, the work that I do with the Whitney Museum is very different than the work that I do with the Brooklyn Museum. They're very different institutions. There's a crossover, but 
my job is to bring into three dimensions into an experiential way who an organization is. And that's very different than decorating it. Of course. So, and, and new events are very highly personalized and each brings its own bespoke solution. Mm-hmm. How do you start when you work with products or when you work with companies or with organizations? Like, how do you identify the DNA? I think that's a great question. I mean, I'm really focused on what the goals are. So the goals of launching a product are really different than raising money or awareness for a cause. And so we really break down what are the goals. In a non-for-profit fundraising situation, of course, the first goal that's really obvious is to raise as much money as possible. The second goal, though, is to make new friends, to get the awareness out of, of what the organization is doing, to you know, show the efficacy of how the dollars that were donated are put to work and how um, to really get the supporters really more involved in the organization. And the list goes on and on. But we first break down what are the goals that we're looking to accomplish so that then from a design standpoint and a messaging standpoint, we're able to not only just meet those goals, but we're able to surpass them. You know, that's where I find there's a big difference between design and fine art. The difference is not that great, to be perfectly honest. But what I see the difference to be now is that when you're a fine artist, you have to create your own problem or your own series of goals to answer. When you're a designer, you're answering goals that were set by somebody else. Brilliant. I love that. I really love that. So let's look at the specifics. Let's talk about museums. You work a lot with museums. Yes. So let's talk about the Whitney Museum versus the Brooklyn Museum versus the Jewish Museum. Mm -hmm. What in the DNA of each one of these museums have you identified and gave an expression in your work for those museums? Well, the Jewish Museum is a great example. I mean, this year we produced a really fun, really exciting virtual program for them. And that was for their annual Purim Ball, which over the years has become one of the must-attend events in the art world. It coincides with, with the Jewish holiday of Purim, but for all intents and purposes, it's a really festive, uh, masked experience that is just fun. It's a celebration. And you know, for that live experience, we've had all kinds of crazy things. I mean, we've had a 28-foot-tall Ferris wheel that we brought into the Park Avenue Armory in Manhattan. We've had crazy puppets and dancers and, and, and all kinds of experiences that are out of the box. For this year, when we had to switch to a virtual program, we didn't have the food and the beautiful outfits and the socialization that would happen in the room. And so we had to really focus much more on what is the story we were trying to tell on screen, which is very similar to television production and movie production. And to do that, we created a filmic experience that followed a couple looking for the porn ball and went to a lot of different locations that the event has been in in the past, only to find that it wasn't there. And when they went past the Jewish Museum, they went in to find that that was like Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole, that the joy was there. And that the party is wherever we make it. That was really the theme. The Brooklyn Museum is a different museum. Of course, they all coincide with the idea of being a a place for art and community. But the Brooklyn Museum takes its role as being a, a community center, if you will, for all kinds of people, really very much to heart. And they're looking very much to be a place that really debunks, you know, racial injustices and finding new ways to give voice to all artists 
of all backgrounds, of all skin colors, of all language speakers, and to be, you know, the foremost uh, institution that is on the cutting edge of all of those subjects. So the, pr- the virtual program that we're making for them is very much about that. You know, of course, there are entertaining things. Of course, there are meaningful and touching things. But it's from the vantage point of who they are as an organization and what they care about. And so my job and my, my team's job is to really get into the heads and hearts of who an organization is to understand how they tick, what they do, what they aspire to, and how do we encapsulate all of that in everything that we do. This episode is supported by Wego Wright, specializing in the sale of modern and contemporary art, ceramics, jewelry, and design at auction. With a strong, independent voice and dedication to presenting materials in fresh and innovative ways, Wego Wright hosts more than 50 curated auctions every year in a broad range of categories and at various price points, showing that everyone can live with art and design. In celebrating its 25th anniversary next month, Rego will bring an exciting selection of auctions to market, including early 20th century and modern design, jewelry and watches, and a Rego Wright post-war and contemporary art auction. Visit regoarts.com or write20.com to view upcoming auctions and to contact specialists for contemporary evaluation of works you'd like to sell. You know, it's really interesting because a lot of my friends are like finding the whole idea of the virtual event horrific. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, this is like what, why people would pay to attend this event. And then I looked at your website and I saw the Jewish Museum event that you did, virtual event, and everything came very differently then because it is an amazing experience what you did there. This is like watching a show. Thank you. And it has to do with the museum and what it stands for and the collection and everything. Thank you. You know, I, 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 we talked about this before. I mean, I think when the pandemic started and we switched over to very quickly put together virtual experiences, you know, done on iPhones at home, it was cute to see celebrities that we admire in their kitchens, in their bathrobes, and to realize that they are people just like you and I. But the production values were very poor, and that got old really fast. But one of the things that has been my concern is that the mediocrity of those programs became a new norm. And my team and our clients stand on the side and say, that's a choice. The production values, the creativity, the way you do something does not have to be mediocre. We can actually elevate that in big ways, just like anything else we would do, and create something that's thoughtful, magical, layered, inspired, moving. And like the most moving films that you see, like the most moving television programs that you see, they touch your heart. And there are ways to have hybridization so that there are live components as well as filmic moments. But, you know, I'm a person that believes that the arts are incredibly important to all of us. And that whether it's a party in a room with hors d'oeuvres or whether it's something that's online, that it is important for us to support these institutions because they give so much to us and they, they create so much for our communities. And these are opportunities to give back if we can't be in the room together. 
And you have clients, you have long-lasting clients, but I want to ask you a little bit difficult question. Which client is not the right fit for you? That's a great question. Um, I think a client who does not want to go on a journey of creativity. There are definitely important experiences, events, foundations, companies that you know have a very distinct way of doing things that is absolutely right for them. They're not so much about a creative experience. They're, they're much more about a, a direct link to what their programming is. I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but I do think that an organization that is wanting to do something that's out of the box and think about how can they put who they are into a dimensional space which is different than just running a company. It's different than just running an organization. Like you have to think about it somewhat differently. Like if we're going to experience that outside of those four walls or the work that they do, how would we do that? And that's, that requires an invention. You know, when I visit homes of interior designers, they always look very much like the homes that they design for other people. Mm -hmm. They have the same spirit. But when I visited your home, Mm -hmm. uh, it looks very different than your events. <laughs> your events are very colorful and sort of eccentric and expressive. And your home is exactly the opposite. It's colorless, <laughs> calm, it's peaceful, it's quiet. Uh -huh. Well, I'll tell you why. We are designing and planning for other people. And those organizations... I get into the headspace of who that organization is and what they care about. And yes, it's filtered through my and my team's head and hands and hearts. But for all intents and purposes, the job is to find the expression of who these other people are, who these other organizations are. It's not to roll out my own design experience. And, th and that's the difference between what you do and being a designer. And listen, we, we make a really beautiful wedding too. But the difference is we're trying to get into the heads and the hearts of the couple and create an expression of who they are. But I think about what we do not dissimilar to set design. So if I was designing a Broadway show on 46th Street, that's going to be really different than the same show that's playing that we designed on 49th Street. And it's not because we can't make up our mind who we are. It's because the set for, you know, like one is a serious drama about a family. The other one is a musical about, you know, the Roaring Twenties. Their stage sets should be night and day differently. They should be calibrated to, to what their story is. And so what I'm trying to do is break this cycle that it's this designer's vision as much as the designer is actually serving the story. And so for the events that we do, our job is to serve the story. And what type of materials do you like to use? Well, I have a special penchant for things that shouldn't be used. That I know that. <laughs> but I do like everything. I mean, flowers are the first love, but we've used everything from thousands of Benjamin Moore paint strips from a hardware store to rolls of toilet paper and paper towels to shredded, recycled office paper to bricks and cinder blocks. I mean, really everything under the sun is an opportunity. And, and I want to encourage the audience to look online for that magical event you did for the Brooklyn Museum several years ago, where you use only 
paper towel and you made the most extraordinary. I, I could live there. I could live with paper <laughs> towels, you know, forget about all the art. You know, David, you crafted a very special career. Very, like, amazing career. I'm sure you are so happy with your career. I'm sure you wake up every morning so fulfilled. Well, I pinch myself, you know, and especially, for example, like at the Brooklyn Museum, when I stand back and I look at these sort of Brancusi-inspired towers of paper towels and toilet paper, it's weirdly elegant. And I think, I can't believe I was allowed to do this. And I can't, you know, I have to say... My hat is off to Anne Pasternak, the director of the museum, because she is a fearless visionary and she trusted that something like that could actually be a magic trick. Like we could take something that is so familiar, so base even, and actually turn it into something that has the elegance that a Brancusi sculpture would have. That's when I pinch myself and I say, wow, I can't believe I found this career. And you know what? I'm sure that it has a lot to do with your clients too, those visionary people. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, my, I'm blessed. My hat is off to them and they inspire me. When they trust that, that we can make magic together, I want to bring it to new heights. So my last question to you is, we have a lot of students in the audience and students for design. You went to RISD, you were a design student. And obviously when we go to school, we have no idea what we're going to do. And we have no idea what the path of our career is going to be. Can you give one advice to students how to look at their career, what to do? Sure. You know, when I was at RISD, I majored in painting. And I remember being in these uh, critiques or, or classrooms and the professors would kind of shake their finger at us and they'd say, only 1% of you will be artists and only 1% of you will be painters. And, I, you know, at that time I would say, to myself, I'm not, I'm going to be what that in that 1%. I'm going to be one of them. And now I realize I haven't picked up a paintbrush in years, but what I do realize is I was given an incredible education, which was Yes, about painting, but ultimately it was about creative problem solving. And so my advice would be to all students, design, fine arts, or otherwise, you don't realize at the time what you're learning and how you're going to stockpile the application of those learnings, but know that you can apply them to all kinds of creative solutions. I'm Daniela Ohad, and you are listening to Designing the 21st Century. Thanks for joining me today. I will be back here in two weeks with a surprising guest who stands at the intersection of architecture, real estate, and the art of building. 